All right, welcome into the Otson Audibles podcast. Matt Prem, Jared Mack here on this Monday edition. Hey, uh, Jared, I don't know if you've noticed. I'm sure you did. Weather has changed. Uh, spring oh, yeah. is like That's finally strong. here. Uh, spring game is on Saturday. And like two weeks ago, it looked like it was going to rain. Now it's going to be potentially 80 degrees. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Recruits are going to come through Eugene this week. Uh, this weekend, we're going to have a recruiting show, you know, a show devoted primarily to recruiting later on this week. We will touch a little bit on the mailbag today. Uh, we want to make sure Eric's on that one as well. Um, but to start off the mailbag, uh, we're going to go to baseball. Uh, there's a question here from Theo. Theo Winter asks, and it's specifically to you, sir, Jared. Uh, uh, that would make some is sense. Looking... <laughs> The team is looking good thus far. What's your win-loss prediction for this upcoming week of games starting on the 25th with two against Gonzaga, then the series against ASU, and then one game in Corvallis? Will the bats stay hot? Oh, well, I mean, it's it's going to be a tough week no matter what. Uh, the two against Gonzaga, I think, is is – they're back-to-back midweek games on a Tuesday, Wednesday. Those are never easy. Uh, last weekend, Oregon had – or two weeks ago, Oregon had Tuesday, Wednesday against San Francisco, and they swept that. So that, that's a step in the right direction. They're uh, two and they're three and two overall in the season in midweek games with losses to Niagara, and then last week against Portland. Uh, that Portland loss was un- unfortunate, but things are looking up. Uh, like Theo said in the question, they go two and two this past week. They get a series win over uh, over Cal – um, that, that was a pretty gritty performance from the from the program overall. Uh, so now you come home, you have a long little home stand before going to Oregon State next weekend. Um, and then Arizona State is surprisingly one of the best teams in the Pac-12. Um, I did not see that coming. But yeah, the, the, they're in second place, I believe, in the Pac-12, only behind Stanford. Um, for I'm going to look that up real quick because I didn't have it pulled up. This is poor poor podcasting um sorry no they're now first place they're 13 and 4 in conference stanford is 13 and 5 oregon and and southern california are tied for third at 11 and 7 um arizona state was not a program that i that i or a lot of people expected to be any good this season uh I, i expected their bats to be good because they have they were last season they have been in years past uh this season the bats have been way better than advertised and the pitching has come alive a bit and uh, they're riding that momentum, and they're one of the surprise teams. Uh, I think Oregon will, you know, let the rest of the conference figure out if they are any good or not, because their conference schedule so far, Arizona State's conference schedule, uh, hasn't been hasn't been the best. It's kind of been against the bottom dwellers of the conference before uh, turning up against some of the better teams in the conference coming up, starting with Oregon. Um, if I had to give a prediction on the week. Uh, I'd go four and one. I think they'd drop one to Arizona State, but sweep the Gonzaga series. Even though Gonzaga's a good program, they're just not. Uh, they're just not that good this season, and that shows in their record. I think they're fourteen and twenty-two. Uh, and then Arizona State. I think it's going to be hard to win at PK uh, for whatever reason. Oregon's pitchers do much better at PK than at the road, and that's been a, like a year or uh, multiple season long thing. So I expect Logan Mercado to kind of to do better on a Saturday against this lineup. Uh, so give me a four in one week, and then they move up in the in the in the overall the top twenty five. Now I I got a question for you specifically as well with 
26 and 12 record. Look, we've seen more baseball talk trickle in here. Part of that's uh, the better awareness. You've, you've done a really good job covering this team. Um, and there's, you know, more interest now with it with and with that comes with winning too um what's kind of the postseason outlook right now we're what about two-thirds of the way through the season um mm -hmm. thereabouts and we're starting i saw something like i think maybe last friday that was some projections for you know regionals and whatnot what what is oregon playing for right now it because we're starting to get to that point where it, it becomes a, a subject yeah, at this point, I think Oregon will, you know, unless they go defeated for the rest of the season, which I would be very surprised to see, I think that they're going to be a postseason team. I think they've locked that up at this point. Um, they're, they've been hovering around like the 20 to 25 in the national rankings. Uh, it's just because, you know, they'll, they'll take one step forward and then two steps back every time they're ranked. Um, but they're, they're still a very good program. Pitching is obviously worrisome. I've talked about that at length before. Um, but what they're going to be fighting for now is to become a regional host. And so what that means for those that are unfamiliar, uh, NCAA baseball has like a March Madness tournament. And instead of having neutral locations, the top, uh, six, top 12, I think it is, top 12 seeds in the country will host a regional. And a regional is comprised of four teams, double elimination, and then you move to the super regional. And the super regional is going to be held at the higher seated uh, facilities. And that'll be, you move through that, and then you go through the College World Series where it's held in, in Omaha for the, the final, uh, final six teams, eight teams. Um, so Oregon is fighting to be a regional host. They were a regional host in 2021, uh, the year after the pandemic season or shortened season. Last season, they went to Louisville as a two seed, I believe it was. Um, and so this year they're going to be fighting for a one seat and that obviously helps a lot. This is a very hitter friendly environment. Oregon knows it and has been, you know, been here ever since. So uh, that's what they're fighting for at this point. Um, and I think they have a rather favorable schedule down the road. They only have one more against Oregon state, which is next Tuesday. Uh, they face Arizona state, which is going to be a tough one and UC USC, which is another good program, but both of those are at home. All the hard series this season have been at home, including Stanford and UCLA and Oregon State. Um, so it's pretty favorable for Oregon going forward. But um, yeah, if they if they keep if they keep winning, if they keep doing their job like they have been in the last three weeks, then they should be a regional host. That's <laughs> getting Happens. the next question all teed up, and there we go. Uh, all right, I'm not used to Eric having to do Eric's job on the mailbag, so I apologize. Uh, John Knowlton. <laughs> What are the chances Oregon takes both Van Buren and Moga as QBs in the 2024 class? It seems like taking one and going after a top QB in the transfer portal might make more sense. Um, there's a couple things here. One, Michael Van Buren uh, was on campus in Eugene a couple weeks ago. He has now announced he will be here for the spring game. He's a four-star quarterback out of Maryland. He's the 11th best player at that position for the quarterback spot in 2024. Second, Luke Moga is a three-star quarterback from Phoenix in Arizona, Sunny Slope High School, 25 scholarship offers, was going to commit on the 28th of April, uh, the day before the spring game. He was here this past weekend. He has now since told media outlets that he's maybe not going to do that. And 
now there's a potential, uh, according to Max Torres of Sports Illustrated, I haven't been able to confirm this yet or not, but he's also considering coming back to Eugene again for the second straight weekend. Um, I don't know if Luke's tweeted it out or not, but that sets up an interesting dynamic where these are two quarterbacks. Oregon's trending in the right direction for both. They're both going to be here in Eugene within, you know, twice within basically a three-week span. Um the question then becomes, should they take both? Could they take both or should they go one and one transfer portal? Um, I I think the answer could be both, Jared. If, if the staff feels like one of the fr- younger quarterbacks on scholarship on roster, which would be Ty Thompson or Austin Novosad, if the staff feels like, hey, we know they're not the guy right now. Uh, you could potentially take both and go get a portal guy in you know the offseason when um, Bo graduates and you you know and you bring in a portal guy. You've got one of the other young scholarship quarterbacks and you got two freshmen. Um, or if you feel like Ty Thompson or Austin Novosad can be the guy. You go take one of these two got high school preps, and then you go find a portal guy. Um, I, I think that's the question. I don't – right now, I don't think they take both, but I think the discussion has to be had, and it's probably – the chances of it happening probably are better than what it was maybe a month ago, two months ago. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, not think- to say that it's, it's like likely, though. No, yeah, I 100% understand what you're saying, and and I agree. I think the only situation where they take both is if this staff and Dan Lanning and Will Stein uh, have full confidence in either Ty Thompson or Austin Novoselic to take the reins going into next season. And if they do, then, yeah, I could see them taking both. These are both good prospects, and they're both making back-to-back trips um, you know, out of their own pockets, unofficial visits to Oregon for, excuse me, this past weekend and then the spring game. Um that, that bodes well if you're just reading the tea leaves from what Oregon uh, probably is trying to do with both of these quarterbacks. But it all comes down to what uh, Oregon thinks of Ty Thompson and his ability to run an offense for next season. And I guess I would throw Austin Novus out in there, but I would, I would, I would be lean partial to Ty just because of his experience and his, his, you know, his uh, last couple seasons within the program uh, as, as the number one guy going into next season. And, you know, if you disagree, that's fine, but that's just how I how I look at it. Um, or they're I don't know, maybe they're planning for Ty to hit the portal or someone like that, and so that they are going to bring in both and grab a grad transfer or transfer quarterback from the portal. Um, I think there's a lot of possibilities that go on with the quarterback situation, and as we saw last season with who entered the portal, um, if Oregon is really into getting somebody in the portal. I don't think there's going to be any shortages of, of guys who have been successful at other programs who could come in and, and hop into Will Stein's system and be successful. I think there will be plenty of options there if that is what Oregon ultimately decides to do. Uh, I just think it's it's an interesting kind of last 72 hours for the quarterback recruiting position room at Oregon with the, the news of Moga and Van Buren just – both making the weekend trip out here to Oregon, which is a good sign already. And then on visit, deciding to come back next weekend, unofficial. So they're paying for that visit to come for the spring game, which I know that Oregon is 
probably the last spring game in the country for how late it is. But, you know, it's one thing if these are official visits and Oregon is paying for it, but these aren't official visits. And both of them are coming, which I think if if that is what is true, if Moga does decide to return for another weekend, um, and, and then it's interesting. I'm, I'm interested in the philosophy that Dan and Will Stein and Marshall Malco have been coming up with for the recruiting for, for their quarterback room. What's interesting is they're also like – MBV is like 5'10", and he's a very small quarterback. But like we've seen Mm -hmm. across college football the last couple of seasons, small that hasn't stopped small quarterbacks from being elite. Maybe one of the top four or five picks in this year's draft could be Bryce Young, should be Bryce Young, and he's like 5'10", 5'11", on a Mm -hmm. good day. So – the, the the fact that you need like a, a six foot five quarterback now it, it's starting to, to go away it's still always a positive if you can find one and then Luke Moga is a three-star recruit and you look at him and he's ranked we have him as the 52nd best quarterback in the country but you look at the schools that have offered him scholarships and you see the places that he's been and you can quickly tell that while his ranking isn't very high, uh, the school's interested show that he's a pretty talented guy, and he's he's grown leaps and bounds this offseason already. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe they're banking on on two here. You know, they're they're not the high profile top five quarterback prospect that you know we've seen Oregon try and go after the last couple of seasons. Um, they've been close to getting them. They had one in Dante Moore last year, and they flipped the last second to UCLA. Um, but like you said, the quarterback position is ever-changing, and maybe they just view the, the the fact that the likelihood that whoever they signed in 2024 starts uh, in the 2024 season is very low because whether it's Ty Thompson or Austin Novoset or a transfer portal guy – Maybe they're looking at this like, hey, we want to get a, a talented player, the best ta- you know talent we can get, but we're okay getting one or maybe two guys that we can maybe develop for a couple of years to get them into the system. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think we've asked Will Stein what his philosophy is and how many guys he wants to keep in the quarterback room. Like, I, I mean, it's hard to do it in this modern era of transfer portal college football, but you know, Ohio State for the last couple of seasons has had four or five scholarship quarterbacks in the room. And if Oregon adds two here and keeps Ty and then keeps Novasad and then enters the portal for something, that's that's five right there. And or maybe they maybe they take both and they keep Ty as we've discussed. But uh, I think it's going to come down to what Will Stein is comfortable with, what he wants to do, what he likes in his quarterback room. I don't necessarily feel like he had the facilities for that at UTSA. Um, but here at Oregon, he's going to be able to uh, figure out exactly what he wants in an offense and then bring it to the Ducks. So I think that's something that we could ask him the next time we talk to him, but we're probably never going to talk to him again at media. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's the unfortunate part. Yeah, there's we may get him in August. And oh, right, August. Knowing- we'll get him in August for sure. We'll, we'll, we'll get him in August, and then there's maybe the possibility that that could be the very last time we ever talk to him because uh, – In general, yeah. You can I mean, what if what if Oregon balls game. out and some school comes calling, hey, come be our head coach, just like Kenny Dillingham. Yeah. See you later. Uh, that, that could very well happen. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll jump into the second half of the podcast.
All right, welcome back to the Autzen Audibles podcast. Uh, Matt Prem here, Jared Mack on the show. And uh, next question goes to a Dan Landing question from Dr. Quacks. Um, we got a Dan Landing shout-out of Devin Jackson. What other shout-outs have you taken note of? And who else appears to be making some strides? Um, I, I think... It's notable, Jared, that Dan has twice now mentioned Treshawn Holden and Tez Johnson during mm-hmm. Saturday post scrimmage um, press conferences. Or maybe that was one of them was maybe a Monday or excuse me, a Tuesday film review. Um, but I think both times now he's mentioned just Treshawn Holden making some plays, showing his playmaking ability. He's referenced Tez Johnson as well, um, and Tez's. Uh, ability to bring speed to the table. Um, I I think those are the two that I immediately kind of look at. Um, But it was notable that he did say that Devin Jackson's had a really good spring. Um, He's always been a really good, a a really fast player. He's playing faster and faster. So it's fun to see him, but feel really good about having a guy like him here. you have any thoughts on other shout outs or other notable entrances here? Um, yeah, the, the Tez Johnson and Treshawn Holden ones are kind of noticeable. Uh, the thing with Dan is when he shouts guys out, I think it's more or less just coach speak and there's something to take into consideration, but there's also probably not. Um, I think when he shouts out guys, it's really, uh, you know, based on whatever question he's asked, it could be a, a direct question about Tez or Treshawn, and then he answers it. But uh, I think it's important that he's talking about Trez or uh, Tez and Treshawn Holden. Uh, those are guys that need to step up this season. Um, he said a couple times that Treshawn is a possession receiver guy, which we all expected. Uh, he's made note about Tez's speed multiple times. Um, I'm trying to think of other guys. The Devin Jackson one was very nice as the president of the Devin Jackson fan club. So that, that was a good thing to hear. Um, he started out he the year out by shouting Connerly. out. Yeah, Connerly to, to start the season. Um, Bossa as well. I think he's mentioned a couple of times that uh, that Jamal has been doing fine at line. Jamal Hill has been doing fine at linebacker. So um, I think those are all positive things. Um, there's been... I don't know if there's any been any other significant shout outs other than just specific answers to specific questions about players. Uh, if, if my memory serves me correct. You're right. Yeah, you're right. And he's not one to, I I think, Hey, what's Jim Smith? How is he performing? You know, is he, is he getting ready to, you know, to take that next step? Like mm-hmm. he's not going to just play into and give you that quote unless. No. And the the Devin Jackson shout out was during a Justin Jacobs question. It's like, hey, how's Justin Jacobs performing this year? Well, Devin Jackson's been great. Um, <laughs> so that's what you're going to get from Dan, and it is what it is. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Dan. If you're listening, yes. Uh, he in the, the the full quote. I'll read the full quote that leads to Devin Jackson. Then we'll go to um, the next one here. He was asked how. Has Justin Jacobs improved your linebacker room? Yeah, Justin had a great play today. It was great to see. I think we have great competition in that room with Scoop, uh, Scoob, excuse me. That's Jamal Hill, Bossa, Justin, Connor Sowell, 
And there's just been a lot of guys that that have been able to compete there and create great depth. Devin Jackson's having a really great spring. You know, he's always been a fast player. He's playing faster and faster. So it's fun to see him, but we really, but we feel really good about having a guy like him there. So it's kind of like he deviated away from the question, gave another shout out to another player, um, like Jared said, but that room certainly has its options with Jamal Hill, Bossa, Justin Jacobs, Sowell, and now potentially Devin Jackson. Um, Spring game, quick note, I'm just curious of just seeing what we see from Harrison Taggart. Although Harrison's been hurt, so um, that Yeah, we haven't means... seen him at, at practice for, gosh, probably two weeks at this point. Yeah. yeah, so actually that point becomes mute because he's been hurt. I just realized that. <laughs> like, big yeah. question, like, we haven't seen Harrison Taggart. Oh, yeah, because he's hurt. Uh, he's or we a, just yeah. don't know why he's not there. All right, let's go to the next question. 205 Duck Fan. Uh, what position group do you feel like Oregon has the best chance to rank in the highest in the nation at this year? Uh, I.e. sacks, interceptions, scoring offense, sacks allowed like last year. Well, uh, that's a good question. Um, I My first thought is the offensive side of the football. And I would look at either Bo Nix doing something like a completion percentage. Um fewest interceptions, um, mm-hmm. some, th- something that involves Bo Nix. Or my second option would be the running back group. Um, they finished sixth in the country in yards per carry at 5.52 on 508 total carries. They ran for 2,800 yards, 34 touchdowns, um, almost 40 touches a game. That's where my my head would go to. Uh, if I had to like definitively pick one, it would be Bo Nix doing something like a completion percentage or touchdown to interception ratio or what have you. Um, and then if it wasn't going to be Bo, it would be something with Bucky and Noah because I think those two guys are two of the best running backs in the country and they're on the same team. So you're going to have a lot of production there. Defensively, that one could be a wild card. It could be all over the place, good or bad. I don't think there's going to be any defensive number that's going to be the number one in the country, and I'll explain why. This is going to be a really hard year in the Pac-12 to have a good defense. I'll tell you what. Uh, there are probably you know, four solid, maybe potential Heisman candidates if everything goes right for each individual team in Williams, Penix, Nix, and Cam Rising. Uh, and then you have DJ Uyunglele, at Oregon State, who I think should be really good there. And then who, whatever Chip Kelly drives up with either Dante Moore or their other quarterback, whose name isn't as significant as Dante Moore's. So for Oregon, I think that their defense is going to be improved. I think their pass rush is going to be much better. I think that their secondary, depending on who lines up where, could be significantly better. I think linebackers still question mark. I think i got to see more of them like in actual game scenarios, which we haven't during practice so far. To, to really have an idea or really have an understanding of what they look like. Uh, so that'll be the spring game, hopefully. But even despite those upgrades, I don't know. I think the defense will look better on paper, but I don't know how much better on paper because Oregon will have to go against Washington and USC this year, who are going to be two of the best offenses, not only in the conference, but probably in the entire country if everything goes according to plan for those guys and everybody stays healthy. 
offense, I think, should be right up there as it was last season. And I would look towards just overall points per game, overall scoring, uh, team totals, yards per game. Uh, this is, you know, Bonix and Bucky and Noah Whittington, Troy Franklin, all these guys going into their second year of knowing each other. So you have, you had a half full offseason last season. You now have a full offseason this year to get even closer and get chemistry and go through plays, excuse me, pre-snap recognitions, things like that. Um, the one, the, the running back thing kind of worries me, kind of concerns me because we don't really know what this offensive line is going to look like. And the reason why Bucky Irving wasn't like, the world's best running back last season, at least on a national level, they didn't give him the ball enough. And by enough, I mean they were scoring so many points that he didn't have a chance to get that many rushes. So I think a yards per carry, though, like you mentioned, Matt, could be a good one as long as the offensive line holds up because both of these guys are really talented and they're going to have a lot of room to work with in the open field and it's going to be difficult to bring these guys down. Um, so that's one to look at. But to me, just overall scoring, yards per game, uh, points per game, um, just anything that has something to do with team offense, completion, com- team completion percentage, team total touchdowns, um, are probably the worst in the country. A field goal allowed or field goal attempted would be great as a number as well. Um, just general offensive numbers because I think this offense will hum again, but uh, I wouldn't put too many on defense. If I had to do one defensive number, Maybe interceptions. They were pretty high up in the country last season, but there's always going to be a team like Middle Tennessee State that has like six in a game, and it's just like the best in the country in in that regard. I I think if there's going to be a defensive category, whether it's individual or team, it's probably more likely going to be an individual, and it's something that's just really hard to project. Mm -hmm. Like this guy is going to lead the country or lead the conference and – passes broken up or interceptions and that could that could be because he's a really great ball skill guy or it could be like a brian addison maybe who is the tallest guy in the secondary probably right and goes up and gets a bunch of tip balls spread out across 13 or 14 games i don't mm-hmm. know um it's gonna be something like that where there's a little bit of skill well, there's a lot of skill involved in getting the interception, but there's also a factor of luck, which you can't account for. You can't project. And that happens. You see guys get, you see interceptions where the quarterback just throws it right at a guy or, right. you know, a guy scoops up a, a deflect, deflected pass. That's where it's going to have to be. Um, I think defensively, if, if they're going to get one and the offensive line, thing uh that you brought up the you know the new the new offensive line and impacting the offensive production at, at, at running the football i agree like you have to you have to factor that in and that's why what you said too of you know they didn't give bucky the ball a ton you know it was always like 12 or 13 carries a game it's probably why if if oregon does do something in, in the running department it's probably going to be a team one it's not going to be it's not going to be an individual because as much as you or I would like to see a, a season where Bucky maybe gets 20 carries, I just don't think that's their style. I don't think they want to do that every single game. No, I don't. It's, it's pretty clear that they don't. Uh, this is not going to be a Mario Cristobal-led team where, like it was against Washington, where Travis Dye has 77 carries 
and like a 240 yards. Um, it's just not going to happen. They're going to be their their run game is going to be based off their passing game, and their passing game is going to be based off their run game. It's going to be short, quick outs. It's going to be exactly what the offense was last season, where it sets each other up, and they're going to go off of that, and that's going to be great. And then Bo Nix is also going to take a couple couple handoffs here or there, um, preferably less than more. Uh, if you're talking Knicks, but I mean, I would love, yeah, like you said, I would love to see Bucky get 25 carries just to see the kind of numbers he could put up. Uh, but that with, with the running back room and how talented it is, there's no reason keep them all fresh. Yeah. hundred percent. There's, there's absolutely no reason to be leaning on one guy unless he's giving you some kind of like Kenyon Barner USC yeah. type day where, Every carry he's getting is eight or nine, ten yards, and it's like we just got to right. keep giving him the ball, uh, mm-hmm. and you can't count for that. So, all right, that's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audible's podcast. A little bit shorter of a pod, but hey, there's only two of us here. You can't have a third third answer every single time. Uh, Eric, hopefully, we'll be back on the show on Wednesday, um, and then on Friday we'll have another one, and then we'll have a special post game edition spring game version on Saturday um, oh, yeah. talking all things Oregon football following the spring game. Recruiting is going to ramp up here this week. Uh, a lot happening on deckterritory.com. But until the next one, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Peace.